All right, as we start our final hour, we'll tell you the Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. Getting you closer to Dodgers and Giants game four. Uh, still the same score with that Brewers and Braves game. Again, a must win for the Brewers as uh, they're trying to stay alive there. Also, we'll wrap things up with the crossover. Still later this hour, about 5.30, chance for Kings tickets when they uh, take on the Jazz in their home opener next week. But let's bring out our first guest for today. You know him. You'll love him. It's Sean Cunningham. He's uh, from ABC10, been a sports producer and reporter in this area for a long time. He's covered the Kings for many, many years. He's kind enough to join us here on the show. Hey, Sean. Hey, Jason. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I like the uh, Killers Run for Cover music coming in. Shout out Chris Verlaud back uh, there. Chris Chris has always got the hookup. He's always got the hookup. Um, <laughs> he, he and he and Ben, lead singer of the Killers, best friends. Yeah, long, long history together, right? Yeah, well, they've got pictures and everything. Yeah, so. best friends. Best friends. Hey, weren't you there? I was in spirit. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sean, before we get to the uh, all-important Sacramento uh, Kings, how are you, uh, as a Giants fan, how are your nerves uh, now up to one? They're not well, Jason. They're not doing well. <laughs> Come on. I think I'm, I'm strapped up to a machine, probably. I'm, I'm going to have to be. I'm the Giants fan that I'm very critical of other Giants fans, which is, is weird to say. I think you know me because um, like I'm in, in awe of the Dodgers as much as my Giants-loving heart hates the Dodgers, and I do. Um I recognize greatness. That team is absolutely sensational, and I still don't know how they won last night. I have no idea how the Giants were able to pull that off. I'm not convinced they were actually at Dodger Stadium. That looked like Candlestick Park. <laughs> and I, I, I look, Walker Bueller has ownage on the Giants. So I'm a little nervous coming into this. But, yeah, I mean, for them to be in the driver's seat in the series right now, I, 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 will, I, would, I want nothing more than for me to be wrong. I picked the Dodgers in the series. Um, and I truly believe that. I thought they were going to be the World Series team, and for the Giants to be here, uh, it's just I'm I'm splendidly surprised. I'm happy. I'm shocked, and I'm so nervous. Well, and and I, you know, Chris and I were talking about this earlier. As a sports fan, for me, really, I, I mean, I would want over the two teams. I'm not a diehard of either team of either one, but I, I no more Giants fans, so I'd be happier for them to win. Um, but I want a fifth game. But if you're the Giants, you don't want to mess with that. You got to end it tonight. <laughs> I want no part of that, Jason. <laughs> even with Logan no Webb. No, no, none of that. Even even, even the local guy who was so stellar in game one, and I figured he would pitch good, but then I'm like, oh, man. And this is, I mean, I think we all kind of relate to this, even when I was back at KHDK, and you'd bring a guy on to the radio or to talk to him as a guest, and it's like, oh, maybe he got a little karma. Let's see how he did. It's like all week was that way. We've been talking, talking nothing but Logan Webb. They had a whole week to prepare for that game. We're talking to his coaches at ABC 10. We're talking to his mother right before the game. And I'm like, <laughs> we just set this kid up for absolute failure and disaster, and it's all going to be our fault. And he goes out and pitches an absolute gem. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is something, and I'm rooting against it because, you know me, I love to be in the atmosphere in the moment. Yeah. I would be there on, on Thursday of that game five, and I want no part of it. Yeah, I, I handled handle business tonight. Yeah, we'll see if Descofani can uh, kind of join that lore of Giants that have been just amazing, an amazing, amazing season. Now, the Kings are hoping to duplicate something like this. People didn't have really a high outlook for the Giants coming in, understandably so. And then as the season went along, it didn't take very long for people to go, wait a minute, this team is actually really good. Then the stats backed it up and their performance backed it up. So the Kings, not a lot of expectations going in. We've only seen, what, a summer league and – and three preseason games. But, Sean, I really like what I've seen. I don't know how that's going to translate when it starts, but I think there's a lot of very likable 
uh, productive type pieces this team has, as you've seen them so far, what do you think the Kings' outlook should be as they uh, start the year next week? I'm still got a big question mark um, because I think, look, they will tell you that they put a lot of a lot of stock into that small sample size of that final half of the season, really final quarter of the season after making the trades and adding people like Terrence Davis and Mo Harkless, and obviously they bring them back. But they really like what they saw from the team even defensively and the physicality that those guys brought. Now, granted, you also had DeLon Wright. He's not here anymore. But now you bring in Davion Mitchell, who's known for nothing more than defense, really. And, uh, there, I mean, it's been fun to watch. So if you finish – dead last in the division in in the nba in defense and you feel that man if we can if you're the kings and you're thinking man if we can just make can we gain 10 spots coming out of the of last place mm-hmm. in defensive rating in the division how could that translate to wins and losses now granted they went out they tried to make moves they bring in people like alex len and and tristan thompson they're obviously trying to you know get some physical guys in here and and people that can bring a kind of an alpha male role to their team but you know I think they're really curious to see what they have. I think their belief is we already know what we have offensively. We're a very good offensive team. If all we can do is improve just the slightest amount, that could trickle into more wins. And all of a sudden, hey, now you're in the in the playoff tournament and see what that looks like. Um, I, I still don't know if I buy it because I still think that they, you know, should be a little bit more aggressive and trying to make some some moves out here. But I, from everything I'm being told, is they they want to see what this looks like, and that's you know further evaluating a three-guard lineup that consists of many guards, but primarily, you know, De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, and Tyrese Halliburton. And what does that look like with Terrence Davis and someone like Buddy Heald and and just mixing and matching all these pieces? It's almost like the Giants, like you mentioned, in a way, because you have so many guys that can play so mm-hmm. many different positions. They consider themselves deep. And I like to say you can have depth, but is it quality depth? And I think we won't know that for a few, at least for the first 20 games of the season. I think that'll be the, the biggest question mark going forward. And as you know, Jay, if you're going to have success, you got to jump out and, and do it right away. Yeah, and I think by roster construction, I think in definition they are deep, but I think it might get negated in one sense. And I'd be curious your thought on this. I think the five guards have to play. I think that's going to be a strength of the team in whatever way, shape, or form that is, if it's three at a time or all five getting in in some way. But that's going to limit that front court depth. I mean, then you're not playing maybe Rashawn Holmes as much or Harkless or Lynn or Thompson or Bagley or Barnes. I think that's going to negate the depth. It might be for the better of the team, but I just don't see how you play all those guys that can play when you're really looking at playing three guards quite a bit. No, and I'm with you. I I think you absolutely nailed it because what do we see from good teams? They're not going 10, 11 guys deep into their roster. It's usually an eight to nine man rotation. So uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And that's what I'm really interested to see. And I think, you know, People can be excited because you are seeing, look, the things, the cream that's rising to the top, you're seeing defensive effort, which is a plus. You're seeing defensive results, which is definitely a plus. And you're seeing that Davion Mitchell, albeit a rookie at 22, doesn't look like he's a rookie. And if you're wondering how that size, you know, not being, you know, he, he wants to say he's 6'2". He's not, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but he'll certainly say it. And, and he feels 6'2". I mean, the guy has made an absolute impact. Now, granted, it is preseason. They're going up against a whole bunch of, of teams that are just sitting guys out. And last night was really indicative of that. And I, my question is, and I, you know, I've always, I keep hitting Luke with it and other guys around the team is like, how much can you really take away from these games when you're not going up against the type of rotation and talent that you would see on opening night and beyond. And they say, look, you know, it's all about, are we executing on our end? And it's like, I get that philosophy, but to me, 
when you're looking at tape and you're accentuating positives for a team, I get it. But at the same time, that's not Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum over there. And so uh, it's hard to really believe what your eyes are telling you. So um, that's one of the reasons why I've got such a question mark, because I don't really know this. I don't even think Luke, to be honest, outside of De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes. And I think you could probably say Rashawn Holmes. I think most people would say he's the incumbent center. He'll be there. Um, But outside of those two or three players, we have no idea what the starting five looks like. Not that it matters. I think it more, you know, I'm always the, what does it look like who finishes and Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But uh, I think that's going to be a very intriguing um, element of the season. And I think it's going to be a lot of tinkering that trickles into the season as well. Yeah. That that's always been my same thought. So I'll ask you a question. I've asked others. Um, I don't know, 10 games in and the closing five, it doesn't have to be 10 games in Sean. I guess if we look at the closing five, a lot of NBA games, you know, Three, two possession game with two minutes to go, so it's about who finishes. Consistently, if you had to guess right now, who do you think the five on the floor at the end of a game that the Kings need to win will be? Boy, uh, I think you. Well, I think you'll see a couple things, but I think it's all situational. So, for example, is it is it tie game and you don't have the ball, or tie game you have the ball? Because I think that determines what you're doing with Buddy Heald. Um, I think Buddy would be on the floor. Obviously, if you need a bucket, um, I, I think there will be that trust factor there. But if it's, a, if, if it's the, hey, we have to make a stop here, um, and you were talking singular play, I think, the, I think the lineup looks different. Now, if you're talking final two minutes, I think all those guys can be effective, and Luke obviously rewards the guys that are just rolling at the time. You know, he doesn't re- we've seen that in past years where he's not really too, tinkering too much in, those final, in that final stretch, particularly if, if, the, if the team that got you there, he's going to roll with them. So, uh, if that means that we don't see Buddy Heald at times in the fourth quarter, that could be very much a possibility. I don't anticipate that because I think, especially now that you've added uh, playmaking to the team, which, again, I still think they need another playmaker. I don't think that Davion Mitchell, as much as he is a point guard, I think he's more of a combo two guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think they really need playmaking. And I think the only time, uh, you know, as much as I like Buddy Heald, he has to be on the floor with a playmaker. I don't want to see him being the playmaker at all like I just I think Kings fans would see that it's like if you can just be the guy without the ball in your hands and just be a catch and shoot or a primary score primary scoring option then great but to have to see him try to facilitate is tough so um you know I think there are moments I do think they need a playmaker but I do think that it's Tyrese Halliburton it's De'Aaron Fox um and I definitely think it's Harrison Barnes as a part of that and your bigs can be different and and your and maybe you have Davion Mitchell but I think those are the ones that I feel the most comfortable a name we haven't said yet, it's kind of maybe even interesting that we haven't, is Marvin Bagley. Where does he fit with this group? I think he fits as long as he's healthy. And I think if you go back and I, I kind of, you know, I almost sound like a Marvin Bagley apologist a lot of the times, but to me it's just very simple. I mean, this team is at their best when Marvin Bagley plays. Um, he's an impactful player. Obviously he needs to play. He needs to develop. He's not quite where he needs to be, but um, – you know, I've, I've always argued that you're not good enough to throw away talent that you don't know what you have yet unless you're significantly getting better. And you need to know what you have with Marvin. I don't think he'll get that rookie uh, extension. I think we're going to go into the offseason and, and things will kind of figure themselves out. That doesn't mean you're completely done with him, but I just don't think they're going to extend Marvin Bagley. That's just my own my own bet. But that doesn't mean, that, in my opinion, that they're completely done with him. I think they have to – they look at him first and foremost as a power forward. He's improved his stretch floor ability. But – you know, you need this guy on the floor. So uh, closing out games, not so sure that that's the that's yeah. what it'll look like. But certainly, this guy has to play. And you know, we've seen what we, we've seen him good. We've seen him bad. We've seen him with confidence. And 
the thing that still stands out to me, and I know it's just one game, but that game where he came back last year against the Lakers, and they really needed that win, and he helped propel them to a win. He was fantastic. Uh, he had a nice stretch there before ultimately, you know, being put on the shelf the rest of the season uh, for those remaining games. Uh, it, that's what it is. And I think people will definitely have the knee jerk. Oh no, here we go again. He's got a sore knee, but uh, you know, everything I've been told is that, no, this guy would have been playing. It's just, you know, the rigors of the NBA season. Um, you got to put something in with him. It wasn't rest him and buddy. He'll both had uh, some knee soreness. So they were treating it and, then I look at the injury report, and yeah, Buddy Hield has rest next to it. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is interesting, but yeah, he's just got to stay healthy. I do think there's a spot for him not only on this team but in the league, and I think he could be a an absolute hell of a player. Um, but you know, it's a cautionary tale of bigs in this league, especially yeah. when you're young and you, you get one little setback and how far that can derail you. Um, you know, I always I always make the argument too, Jason. You know, Jaron Jackson, for as much as people rave about him, he's had a pretty significant injury Martin, Martin hasn't had that type of injury you're talking broken bones you're talking about things that you can come back from I mean they're still legit to where you can't play but you know they're they're legit just buzzard luck injuries and yeah. you know Steph Curry dealt with them for a while let's see you know he, he turned out okay not to compare right that, you, you are know, calling him Steph guys. Curry a two-time right, MVP coming up <laughs> there it is <laughs> as we talk with ABC 10 Sean Cunningham covers the Kings all sorts of sports NBA as well uh, Kings do make some news today. Matt Coleman, uh, DJ Stewart, both uh, cut loose, trimming the roster down to 18. If we look at the back end, you know, um, the Ramseys, Woodards, Kata, that kind of met to that group, Damian Jones, anyone there that might do something this year or are they kind of a, you know, the two-way guys more Stockton and kind of the back end of the bench? Yeah, I mean, the one I think that intrigues me probably the most right now um, in terms of just what could be for the future. Maybe it's not this year is, is Jemias Ramsey. Um, I don't know. I mean, with the guard play the way it is, uh, he did some nice things in summer league. Uh, he's a guy that they think really highly of, but he's the one to me that feels like, especially if he can, you know, have some time in the G league a little bit. To, uh, he could be, he could be someone we're talking about maybe towards the end of the year. Um, certainly going into next year. We'll see what that looks like, but um, I, I'm, I'm excited for him. I know they're very excited for him as well. The other guys, you know, Woodard, I think there's a big question mark. I think it's just kind of numbers. Like, you know, the guy looks like an absolute amazing defensive end. Mm. <laughs> but on the basketball floor, it's a little bit different. Um, so, I'm, you know, Damian Jones is a is a guy who's absolutely, uh, you know, made marks with teams and has been able to help them in small stretches, but they've got a lot of bigs around them now. So I think the next player that will be knocked off will be, you know, Emmanuel Terry, but they love his energy. And what the guy has brought in small sample size, I think he's perfect for Stockton. And then that's really all you have to do because you're going to have your two your two ways and and um, you know you're going to be in pretty good shape. So um, you know we'll see. I think there's some I think there's some good possibilities, but I think if we're here talking about any of these guys uh, making some noise, I think we kind of want to see what the, the step that Jamias Ramsey, even if it is small, uh, relatively small in the grand scheme of things with all these guards, but. We know how injuries work, so yeah. I think he's the guy in line for an opportunity. The other new face we talked about him earlier was Davion Mitchell, and I, I think that um, what De'Aaron said last week, Sean, I know a lot of people ran with that quote. We played it on the show that De'Aaron saying, in my mind, he's already a top-five on-ball <laughs> defender in the league. And I didn't even want to get into the merits of it, whether that's even accurate, but then I started listing guys and went, well, there's about six or seven that I could mention, but he's probably, I mean, okay, maybe top 10, top 15. The point is, you can throw him up there. At least he felt that comfortable. That is amazing what one guy defensively has already seemingly done for himself in this league and maybe even for this team. Yeah, he and Ty Halliburton were both like, I'm tired of seeing this kid's face in my grill <laughs> every game. And I think that's what it is. It's training camp. The whole month of, 
of workouts leading into training camp, both in L.A. and Sacramento. Fox and, and Davion and, and Ty have all been part of that. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's seen him every single day. I get it. Like, I understand it. Um, do I think it's, do I think I agree with him? Probably not, but I don't think it's that outlandish. Like you said, Jay, there's, there's so many guys that, you know, that, that you can put in that category, but Davion does fit right there. He stays with you. Like he's tied with you at the hip and that, that game, I know it was preseason, but Paul George was playing in that Clipper game yep. and he's going up against a guy who's what, six ten, six eleven, and Paul George. And he's driving on me, staying with him every single step of the way. And he had to, hit this just impossible fadeaway in the paint over three dudes and he hit the shot which was great but he had to make him work for it and I think he finished like one of 10 one of 11 and there were many times where Davion was picking him up I asked him the other day too like he I said does anybody make you pick your guy up at half court or even three quarters court and I was like are they are they calling that out he says no it's just something I've always done so wow. he's taking it upon himself to pick up the defender at midcourt three quarters court and make him work he says he said if I feel or he says, if I do that, I feel like I will have a better chance of wearing down my defender or, or wearing down my opposition. Yes. And it's like, yeah, no, no kidding. But this is an 82 game schedule. It's the NBA. It's not college. So I love the mindset. And I love how, you know, coaches and staff have literally had to tell him, get the hell off the floor, stop playing <laughs> basketball, stop doing just to go do something else. And, you know, just to prepare him for the rigors of what a season looks like. So every, we know every player ends up hitting a wall. Um, I know this guy's a rookie, but at 22 years old, he's a little more seasoned, and I'm really interested to see what it looks like come January, February, yeah. when things get a little bit more tedious for some of these teams. Yeah, but even you know, one of the first, it was the first preseason game, the one at home, and it was uh, Phoenix. And uh-huh. yeah, he's doing exactly what you said, Sean. He's picking up full court. I think it's uh, Cameron Payne, and he's just bothering him, bothering him, bothering him. Doesn't turn it over, but then it was Aiton that has to come out and set the screen, and he set it probably. 10 feet past the three-point line. And I go, that's not in Phoenix's offense. Like, he just disrupted it enough. There was no turnover. Nothing happened out of it. But you could tell just based on him picking up and how aggressive he was defensively, he changed just the initial look of what Phoenix was trying to do in the half court, all because he was aggressive picking up. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because there was a moment in that game, too, where I remember I was trading text messages with some people who cover the Suns in Phoenix. And they said, yeah, they had talked about wanting to get an extended run at Aiton without having the guards. You know, they, you know obviously there was no um, Chris Paul and Devin Booker in right. that game. And they wanted to – I think Booker only played like 10 minutes. And I wondered, I said, is it because he's having to do more because Davion is forcing the guards to do more? And that's maybe what they just all of a sudden shifted maybe the, the strategy of the night and said, we're not going to run Aiton all that, that hard. We're not going to have him work that much without these guards. So – uh, I, I honestly felt he impacted the game that way, and, and, and literally the Phoenix Suns had to adjust maybe their game plan a little bit. Uh, you would mentioned the importance of a quick start for this team. We know uh, they've had slow starts before. Last year, actually 2-0, and and then it kind of uh, unraveled at them at one point. But if we just look at the very beginning, let's take the first five. At Portland, mm-hmm. Utah, Golden State, at Phoenix, at New Orleans. Heavy dose of that Western Conference that we know they're going to be competing if uh, with if they hope to get into that top eight or top ten. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, it's just the it's just the way the West works, and you know, and, and one thing that has me concerned is when Luke Walton is still questioning the team's conditioning a little bit mm. uh, at this far through through training through preseason with one one more game to go and, and about a week and a half left to go before the start of the season. So uh, you're right. I mean. It's, injuries and everything it, it, it can all get washed away so quickly and hopefully if you have these teams like phoenix or you know even utah who's got some new pieces and maybe they're they're resting their guys a little bit or not playing their guys so many more minutes and they're 
they're relying on a little bit deeper of a rotation. Sacramento has to take advantage of that. And Walton has talked about, I asked him the other day, I said, I know you're so focused on defense and now you're talking so much about the conditioning of this team, but like, where are you at from a pace standpoint? Because, you know, we've all talked about how the pace had taken a back seat over the last two years because the defense was so terrible. Now, if your defense has improved, where are you looking at pace? He's like, no, I want to be much quicker than we were last year. Mm. Uh, so that, that pace, especially with having the three guards and sometimes even having a four guard rotation, depending upon what the, you know, who the opposition is, um, he's still tinkering. And I'm, I'm curious to see what they look like, how fast they play. And someone like De'Aaron, especially if he's your initial playmaker, uh, oftentimes he falls into this lull of, I've got to wait for my team. I can't just run down there and take, you know, go one on three or one on two and, and, and try and force something. Oftentimes we watch him pull it back. So everyone's got to be running. Um, that's going to be interesting to see. And I think that's one of the reasons why he says that this team's conditioning isn't where he wants it to be because he wants to push the pace a lot more than what we've seen in the previous two seasons. Well, Sean, we look forward to it. I know there's one more preseason game. The season starts a week from today for some of the teams. So the Kings, it's a week from tomorrow. Um, it's going to be fun. Uh, best of luck to you. I hope your uh, stress level's okay tonight with the Giants and Dodgers. Yeah, last night, I think, uh, look, we are playing with house money, right? There, There is house money on this right now. So it does feel a little bit more comfortable than yesterday. Yesterday, the pucker factor was real, Jay. It was <laughs> very real. So, uh, Did you yeah. think Lux hit a homer on the last swing? It it certainly looked like it, but once you watch the outfielder and he pulls up, yeah, I felt elated. I could totally understand that look of frustration on Gavin, especially a guy who's you know he's crushed the Giants. I mean, uh, yeah, he probably hit a ball that nine times out of ten would be out of every, any park, but the wind caught it up, and um, it's just how deep the like the Dodgers are the same way. They don't have guys that can play every position, but they're so fast, they're powerful, everyone contributes, and it's like you look at their rejects. That, that are on other teams right now. Kike Hernandez is yep. big contributor of Boston. Look what Jock Peterson's doing with the Braves. <laughs> yes. Like it's just incredible. There's Dodgers just sprinkled all over the successful teams, and and last night the Giants were a beneficiary of one with Alex Wood. So uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's so funny. Baseball's so funny that way. And you're right. I mean, you go from that game on Saturday to where they were last night, and all of a sudden you know they were super aggressive Saturday, jumping on first pitches, and then last night couldn't do anything. So balls were hit hard though. That wind yes. played a factor, and then. I don't know about you, but Brandon Crawford made uh, an absolutely legendary play. Air Crawford, that I mean, that one, especially if they advance, and no matter how far they go, that I mean, that well, that one, regardless, will be remembered for a long time. That was a heck of a play, for sure, yeah. for sure, absolutely. Well, Sean, thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Anytime, Jay. Thank you. All right, thank you. That's Sean Cunningham, ABC Ten, covers all sorts of sports, certainly. Uh, but I uh, wanted to check in with him about the Kings and where they are. We mentioned again the uh, dismissals today. They they waived Matt Coleman and DJ Stewart. They'll have some more moves to make before the season gets going, and one more preseason game, which will take place uh, Thursday. We'll have that for you here on KHTK. All right. Speaking of the Kings. Now is your chance to get on hold at 1-800-920-1140, 1-800-920-1140, because when we come back, we'll have our Kings trivia question for a chance for you to win a pair of tickets to see the Kings open up their 2021-22 season against the Jazz. That'll be the home opener on October 22nd at Golden One Center. For tickets and more information, you can visit khdk.com. So our question coming your way next. Also, we got much more to get to, Giants and Dodgers and the crossover all as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. 
Thanks again to Sean Cunningham joining us in our last segment. Remember, anytime you miss any portion of the show, you can go to cagedk.com. At the conclusion of the day, we'll have the show podcasted for you all three hours uh, up there on cagedk.com. Some other great stuff, too. Uh, we've got our Return of the Roar podcast with um, Chris Watkins and Frankie Cardicelli. You can check that out. A lot of Kings conversation there. Carmichael Dave show is podcasted there. We've got our Golf to Go podcast with Frank LaRosa. I've got a Sac State football one up there as well. Uh, Stingers Up, Hornet football podcast. So lots of different choices for you when you go to khdk.com besides our blogs and videos and different things that we have. So when you get a chance, uh, make sure you check that out. All right, 1-800-920-1140. Get in right now for our Kings ticket giveaway. You have to answer our trivia question. Uh, That'll be coming your way here in just a second. So we appreciate those of you uh, checking in today. And a reminder about tomorrow, Lincoln Kennedy scheduled to join us for his weekly visit on Wednesdays. Get the very latest on all things going on with the Raiders and certainly the drama they have now. And and for Lincoln, what will be different now in life without John Gruden? How will they uh, go forward? Because um, this is now just a in-season, end of a week, boom, coaching change, and you go play your rival Denver Broncos. I mean, that is a that is a tough ask for anybody to do. So Raiders will have that ahead of them. Uh, we'll have Lincoln Kennedy, and we also will have Chris Landry uh, check in with us tomorrow as well. All right, so let's do it. Let's start out. Ramsey is our first one here. Hey, Ramsey. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm good. How are you? Good. Just waiting for the Giants game to come on in about 30 minutes. What do you think? What do you think? If you believe in Discofani tonight? He's going to grind. <laughs> that's Well, that's what this team does, right? As long as it stays close, I, I, I like their chances. I like their chances. Exactly. Um, all right, here you go. Here's exactly. your chance. You're going to be the first one that has a chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Kings and the Jazz in the Kings home opener on October 22nd. Here is your question. It, we relate it to the Utah Jazz as who the Kings are going to play on that uh, opening home night. Uh, the Utah Jazz currently have two players on their roster who were once members of the Sacramento Kings. Who are they? You said Utah Jazz? Yes. Hmm. You said they were once players of the Kings. Yep. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of their roster off the top of my head real quick, but I. Or are you I trying saw. to Google? No. <laughs> All right, we got. No, I'm just trying to think of. All right, we'll go. I got it. Oh, now I got it. Easy. Okay. Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside. Okay, that was quick work. I like it, Ramsey. Congratulations. Hang on, Ramsey. You are a winner of our Kings tickets. What do we think? Was there some quick work, uh, internet work going? Might have been. Either way, he won. I mean, it's, it's it's legal. It's not like it's illegal. Ramsey's a good guy. He's a long We like Ramsey. Ramsey's awesome. Ramsey's awesome. So, Ramsey, congratulations. You have won those tickets to see the Kings and the Jazz next week. Yeah, Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside. I wonder about those additions for the Utah Jazz. Um, this is a consistently good basketball team, the Utah Jazz. And when I see them the last couple of years – this And we all know, obviously, where the Kings have been for the better part of 15 years. A team that just hasn't won enough. But you look at that roster year in and year out, and you go, okay, I mean, they're good. It's it's the, the hole, right? There's a really good player in Gobert, a good fit player. Donovan Mitchell is terrific. Conley had his best year. But you look at guys like Royce O'Neal and um, Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, just all fits. It fits really well. They have a system that they commit to. They play hard. They've added some other pieces, too. They drafted uh, Macy Oteague. They've got Eric Paschal now from the Warriors, Whiteside, Rudy Gay, to go with you know the names that have been good and an important part of what they've done and consistently been a winning team. 
So the Kings and Jazz will have that home opener for Sacramento uh, next Friday. The Kings will open up the season uh, Wednesday against Portland. Speaking about Portland, you know, the Kings played them last night. We were talking a lot about them during the pregame, about their roster. Not necessarily overhaul because it's a lot of the same pieces with C.J. McCollum and Nurkic and Dame Lillard uh, adding Norman Powell last year. But now you all of a sudden look at some other uh, pieces that they have added really in the last year plus, right? Covington last year. Marquise Chris comes over as a new piece. Ben McLemore, Larry Nance, um, Patrick Patterson, Dennis Smith, I, Cody Zeller. I'm trying to figure out if they got better. They made a coaching change, and certainly Chauncey Billups will now be running things instead of Terry Stotts, longtime NBA veteran coach. Scott Brooks is on their bench now. I just don't know that this is a better roster than they've had in previous years. Now, Dame will, will take him a long, long way because he's that good. But I just wonder about Portland. And I that that's there's been too many teams like that that I look at and go, you know, like when the Warriors were dominant, you go, yeah, the Warriors are the best team in basketball. Lakers have had some pretty high-level teams here lately. When you have LeBron and AD health, you're like, okay, I get it. Um, but when I look at some of these other teams that have won 50 and 55 games and have gone a couple of rounds in the playoffs, I think, Gosh, are they that much better than the Kings? And the obvious statement is yes. But when you really start to look at it and where I think some of these teams have had that really high-level all-star in a guy like Mitchell or certainly Gobert as a defensive player of the year. We're talking about the Blazers in Damian Lillard. I think Fox is so close to that spot, if not there already. He hasn't made an all-star team, but he's played like an all-star. And needing the totality of the roster to be um, complete. And I think this team is is a lot closer to that. Uh, I know, Sean, I felt like a little bit of the reservations from him, and I understand it, right? The Kings have lost 15 consecutive years, and I don't want to get too caught up in what I've seen in preseason results. It's less about the results for me. It's about how they've looked. And I think if we talk about trouble spots for the better part of the last three to four years for this team, as as this core has kind of been developed of Fox, Barnes, now Halliburton, Bagley still in that mix, Buddy Heald. I mean, these guys have played a lot of basketball together. They've had a lot of the failures together. But a lot of that was behind some really bad defense. It looks to me that it is better. Now, you have to weigh that in a regular season game or even the Clipper game that they played the other day. Remember, it was tied at the half, and then the Clippers sat all their main guys in the second half. Now, the Kings did exactly what you want to do in a game like that, dominate the reserves, they did that. But I still think even when we've seen opposing preseason teams play their best players at times, the defense, we're seeing less blow-by straight-line drives to the basket, less defensive breakdowns. Rebounding is the last part of defense. It wasn't good last night, but it's been okay in the preseason. And they're going to have to do that if they're going to play small and play those smaller guards. So I'm I'm more than optimistic on what I've seen this year and probably more optimistic on a team than I've been in, in the last several years on, you know, when we've had season over unders or predicted wins, I've been on the low end the last couple of years on this team, but way more optimistic on what I've seen on the roster that they've kept the continuity that they have. They just seem so much farther along and more cohesive than they've been the last couple of years. And part of it is the continuity is keeping the coaching staff for the most part together 
keeping the core of the roster for the most part together. They really, it's not that transformed of a team. And there's plenty of arguments to be made. Like, why would you bring back roughly the same team? I think there's one been some player development and two, um, the subtleties of the additions have been better. And I like the vibe that's around the team collectively, what people are saying. And I know people say, Oh, they always say that it just, there's too many people internally that are close to this. And the players collectively are all saying the same thing about how good they feel about the work that's legitimately being put in, um, the amount of fun they're having, and just the bond, the the odd mix, it feels right. Now, that'll change. You lose nine in a row. That tests all that, like it did last year twice. So the Kings have to avoid those drastic uh, situations like that that happened a year ago. All right, baseball playoffs. To update you on what's happened today, congratulations to the Houston Astros who won earlier, 14 hits, 10 more runs. They just continue to pound the White Sox pitching staff to a 3-1 series victory. That is five consecutive years that the Houston Astros have made it to the American League Championship Series. So there's an update? Is there an update? Was that, wasn't that an update? Oh, you, you just want the sounder, don't you? Okay, we can do that. Let's make it official. <laughs> right the Astros I love how yesterday I'm just like hey it's MLB not Astros you need to be bad at and oh that was a long time ago and they kicked out their manager but I still want to ride with the trash can boys yeah I don't even remember the White Sox one I have it here oh you don't remember it it's good oh yeah now I do but I'm gonna play it anyway Yeah, they're gone. They gone. They changed this offseason. Uh, remember adding Tony LaRussa. They had a great season. They uh, won the division, but they are out after losing to the Astros. So it's the Astros and the Red Sox rematch of the ALCS from 2018. Uh, it's still 4-4, Braves and Brewers. That game is cruising right along. I think they're are they heading to the ninth? Uh, top of the eighth. They're heading to the eighth inning there. And, then, of course, we all await the Giants and the Dodgers tonight. Anthony Descalfani will go against Walker Bueller on a short rest. Still a reminder that you can go to cagedk.com right now and participate in our daily over-under. All you have to do is guess the over or under on today's question, and uh, you have a chance to win. And our prize, each and every week, we give away a $50 gift certificate to Twin Peaks just by participating. And right now, it is 50% in... Our poll question and our over-under today for the Giants game four is runs scored by the Giants, three and a half. Well, they were under yesterday. Uh, they've been, they were under in game two, but over in game one. I really wanted the Giants to win one nothing Today? Yeah. Why is that? Because then uh, the combined runs for the series would be 9-9. Is it 9-8 now? Yeah. Four- one five, I get and two. No, it'd be nine eight. Isn't it nine seven right now? Uh, they scored four, and then, then two, two then six, one. seven. Oh yeah. yeah, okay, that's what I want. You want one nothing, so they lose the series scoring. Yes, but win three to one yes. overall and lose the series nine as a scoring. That'd be that'd be. I don't know how many times, if ever, that's happened. Well, heck, all they have to do is win by one. They don't even have to win one nothing. That's true. That's true, but. I like that it would be both under 10 total. Yeah. 
Um, and there would be a third shutout of the Dodgers. That's crazy. That's crazy. So that game's coming up tonight. Um, we also had some other baseball news today, uh, I guess, related to baseball. Rob Manfred, I can't remember where this was from. I know you pulled the audio, Chris, but Rob Manfred was on some sort of, not a panel, but he was on somebody's um, stage, basically. He, was, he knew he was being interviewed, and he was talking about a couple different things. Uh, let's hear him talking about uh, the A's situation in, in, in Oakland. Oakland and Tampa. That's yeah. the question. There are, there's teams in Oakland and Tampa. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, look, both Oakland and Tampa need new facilities. I mean, we, we, you know, it's kind of beyond debate at this point. You know, Oakland probably critical just in terms of the condition of the ballpark. Whatever you want to say about Tampa, it's playable for right now, and they have a lease that goes through 2027. Oakland's in a critical situation. Um, we need to find... Um, a, a way to get new ballparks built in those two cities or, you know, particularly in the case of Oakland, we've had to open up the opportunity to explore other locations just because it's dragged on so long. And, you know, frankly, in, in some ways, we're not sure we see a path to success in terms of getting something built in Oakland. Mm -hmm. So a relocation is a, yeah, is a, mm -hmm. is a possibility. Mm -hmm. in Oakland. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, we, we, They've been talking to Las Vegas. It's gotten a lot of publicity. Um, but there are options in terms of relocation in addition to Las Vegas. All right, so that, that last part was actually kind of the more interesting thing to me. Yeah, we know that Tampa needs a new place. We know that Oakland needs a new place. But mentioning Rob Manfred there that, yeah, there's other locations besides Las Vegas uh, that could be in play at some point. Uh, this goes back just last week, though, when Mayor Carolyn Goodman uh, was talking about the A's and the relocation with Vegas. You know, I think they'd really like um, to move here. I'm not sure they don't continue to use us as a wedge. That's happened to us before. I think we've all become a little concerned because we are on the hook for the Allegiant Stadium. That's a magnificent facility. But because it's general obligation bonds, if in fact the shutdown had continued, we were pretty close not to be able to pay our bonds on that because they're obligation, not revenue bonds. And so to pick on another stadium, they, uh, I'm sure they would put funding into a new stadium, um, but I don't think there's much of an appetite for the public to get behind it and maybe private different types of bonds. Uh, the conversations continue, and I do believe the Summerlin, uh, the Howard Hughes Corporation, has been in dialogue too. And, of course, because they have um, already their, their local farm club stadium for the A's, um, I think they'd be very interested. And to me, private funding, great. Just please, no more taxes on us for doing things. And I, I really, uh, Mark Davis has done a great job and his team, and I think we've embraced um, our Raiders. Uh, hopefully they keep going, but as much as we have the Golden Knights, which have been huge. And that was from uh, late last week, I think, from Carolyn Goodman, Mayor of Vegas. This is where America does sports worse than everybody else in the world. How so? Because I believe in the United States, we believe that owners of clubs not only deserve but have the right to make money off of the team that they own, mm -hmm. which 
these are these are like civil institutions, and I know it's bad because it's the Oakland A's who have moved twice already, right? And then if they move again, but it's these owners that like, okay, I can buy this team. It's not as much as it is now unless I get the city here to buy them a stadium or if I get another city to buy them a stadium, then it's worth so much more than it is now. It's, ugh, it's and that gross. And it's just the cycle because um, when someone does move and it value, you know, everyone's valuation goes up and when other cities build for you, it's like, oh, well, you did it there. So now if I ever want a new city, I mean, a new uh, stadium in our city. They built it somewhere else. Why would I have to pay for it? I'm going to threaten to move. How many stadiums were built on the threat of we'll move to Los Angeles? Right. Right. And I don't know that this is the feeling here that's different to me about the A's. I think this is beyond legitimate of a threat of moving. I don't think they – I think if everything was right, the A's would want it at Howard Terminal and be done and move and have everything going there. But it hasn't been that easy, and there's all sorts of faults and, and – Point, fingers to point here and blame, but when you've got another city, whether Vegas is the prime one or Portland or some other else, some place else that's willing to build stuff for you without you spending, I think ownership's willing to to listen. But then, like, if I'm the if I'm the city of Oakland, I don't want to be another Marlins situation, right? Or oh, we give you everything and we built the stadium. Oh, and then you're just gonna sell everybody off, and yeah, then you're gonna sell the team, and it's worth so much more because hey. You got a stadium that's already paid for. Right. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. We'll see where that uh where that ends up. We got big baseball game tonight still to come. Uh for us, final segment, the crossover, and we'll keep you up to date on the Brewers and the Braves when we come back here on Sports Eleven Forty KHTK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Again, tomorrow, Lincoln Kennedy scheduled to join us. Also, Chris Landry, their weekly visits on Wednesday. We look forward to that. Uh, Kings will be back in action on Thursday when they'll take on the Lakers. Saw this from the Lakers. Lakers coach Frank Vogel projected it's going to be a season-long process for LeBron, AD, and Russ to become the best version of themselves but that's something Vogel said is expected. They have not been, or specifically Russell Westbrook has been really bad in the preseason, but I don't even know how many of those guys will even be here on Thursday. But the Lakers will be here. Lincoln Kennedy is a must-listen to every single week, mm-hmm. but tomorrow is must-must-listen to. Yeah, to get his take on this whole Raiders fiasco scenario. Watch, I set that out, and he's going to say, I don't want to talk about that. Like, I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing to comment. No comment. We'll see. Lincoln usually doesn't hold back, which... We appreciate about him, and he's always uh, shared his thoughts and feelings on that. So he is scheduled for tomorrow. Same with Chris Landry. Uh, let's see. Baseball, bottom of the eighth, Atlanta and Milwaukee still tied at four. I love when baseball games get into this situation where it's every pitch, every at-bat is critical. Uh, the game can swing on – could change on one swing of the bat. And so that's the fragile nature, too, especially for the Brewers right now who can't give up any more runs, right? they got to try to win this to force it back to Milwaukee for game five, the spot the Dodgers will be in tonight when it'll be Discofani uh, versus Walker Bueller. All right, let's get the uh, crossover from the morning show. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. All right, Jason Ross, the boss. Let's just keep it going, dude. 
Chavez Ravine tonight. In fact, we'll make this a twofer. Give me your predictions for this evening's game. Make it a one-for. Giants-Dodgers. Giants up 2-1. Anthony Descafani on the mound against who the heck knows. Do the Giants and Dodgers go to a game five, or does it all end tonight? Throw in a final score and one big highlight. One big highlight, because you nailed the other one so perfectly. Okay. Um, the honest one is I, I tweaked it for them. Yesterday you heard me say a game. But I, the only part I felt good about that I got right on my prediction, I had a higher score, um, but I said maybe extra innings and we're going to get a late-inning drama. We just hadn't had that close game. We, we had the close game yesterday, um, partly because I want a fifth game. I'm just going to go Dodgers. I've been wrong on that, so Giants fans, you should like that. I'm picking the Dodgers tonight. 6-2 L.A., Betts and Bellinger with home runs. Ooh. That's what I'm going to do. Chris, you got a prediction? Uh, Giants win. one nothing. one nothing. one nothing. Advance in the series. Get outscored in the series 9-8, but they move on to take on either the Brewers or the Braves. That would be fantastic. That would be pretty cool. We'll be here tomorrow to recap it all. Also tomorrow, we have Golf to Go Golf Hour from 2 to 3. Frank LaRosa will be in with that, uh, so we look forward to that. And then Lincoln Kennedy and uh, Chris Landry all joining us tomorrow on a full update on what's going on with the Giants, whether there's a Game 5 or whether they've moved on or not. So that's coming your way tomorrow. Thanks again to Sean Cunningham for joining us today. For Christopher Lodd, I'm Jason Ross. That's it for us today. Thanks for listening here on Sports 1140 KHDK. See ya!